Hey, Murdoch, I just started reading The Shepherd. Stop. Shepherd, that's not on the index page. So just no further. Get out of here with that stuff. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurli. And I'm Josiah. You're just like on the show now. It just seems like you're, you're permanently here. I mean, four episodes in, like... Well, I told everyone you are... <laughs> <laughs> I was about to have the same mistake that we did on the last episode. I'm like, four episodes? <laughs> you're did trying to recap it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just <laughs> reliving. This is Groundhog Day episode. All right. <laughs> Just take it away. Take. Yeah. Don't make me keep talking. The other about thing that. I left, I just I was just like, mm, yeah. uh, but we did tell everyone you were our Hermos expert, so that's why you're here for so much. You're the resident. Yeah. Actually, it's way more fun to do this with you than it would have been just with us two, uh, because I don't know. There's this is just such a weird. And I know Enoch was weird, but Enoch at least to me was like that's ah, slightly understandable weird. Uh, some of that I wasn't like not in, like the understand that I get it, but like I get why it's weird type thing. Uh, okay. But but this one was just like there's there's just so many different things because of when it was written for me. Yeah, that makes it just slightly more weird. Like this is early Christian writing. This is a popular Christian writing for a lot of people back. They were like just there's so many copies of this that they were just handing them around. People were reading it, and it was just big. And then you're like, it's not in the Bible. Like, a lot of people were using this as, like, all right, I'm understanding this religion and this belief in God a little more based off of this. And it's like, yeah. so I had a vision, <laughs> and it gets super weird. And we haven't even got to the parables yet, and you've already told me you're not joining us for that one. No. Uh, and the parables, it even gets more fantastical, so. Trying to wrap my head around some of those still, it's like, I would not be beneficial to have for knowledge. <laughs> Maybe entertainment, but not knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck to us on that episode. Yeah, have fun, guys. Yeah. I'd just like to say I'm not going to be available. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Chris's solo episode. <laughs> it's you and the two angels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You're doing that Schmeagol thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need the parables. Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly, that's... <laughs> I kind of want this now. That was honestly the thought in my head. <laughs> Do we need the parables? We got four on her boss. Let's just talk about them super quickly. They're in there. Read them. Have fun. <laughs> but no, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do justice of them to the best of our ability. I mean, for what we did with Enoch, I think we could do something. All right, let's get into this one. Commandment number seven. Seven. All right, just to summarize it and right at the gate, fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And so it's not just that mindset thing. There's like an actual practical like action on your end and like it reminds me of like the verse of like uh even the demons believe in shudder to where it's just a modern like day you hear a lot of people be like oh yeah i believe in god and then they're like yeah i'm spiritual and all that stuff too and it's like all right so maybe you have a belief in god you're not keeping his commandments most likely mm-hmm. just by what you're telling me would be a fair assumption so just to have both of those like hand in hand to where it's not just about a belief. It's about are you actually following what God has to say? 
That got actually picked up. <laughs> 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 that got picked up. That fly is that in fly here is, with us. That thing is huge. That's his second episode on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it, I like that you brought that up. <laughs> brought that up. The 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 belief in God is different than the actual keeping His commands. Yeah. The and the fear of the Lord is what leads us to keep the commands. It's that uh, I have respect for God enough. I know who He is. I always think of Job in this situation because when Job finally lets loose, he just is like, yeah, I didn't like disown my faith or anything, but like, God, you need to talk to me. You need to talk to me now. Why is this happening? He just stands up and he's just like all brave and bold. And when God responds, he's like, were you there when I did this? Were you there when I did that? And afterwards, Job is like, oh, I messed up and I'm sorry. Because he then understood the magnitude of God how great and vast he is, how powerful he is. And that's what then show, uh, shaped Job and the rest of his faith forward was God is massive. And so, yeah, I'm going to keep his commands because he's powerful. He's way more powerful than I even think. I, I think a lot of times for us, uh, modern day Christianity is that we've lost some of that um, understanding of the magnitude of God. Yeah. Even in our prayers, you know, the they always start with like, honoring how big and how great God is. And a lot of times we're like, hey, God, I need this, 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 and this. And we just run through our vending machine list that we have with God. Yeah. It just reminds me of the Lord's Prayer and how it starts off. Our Father who art in heaven, like hallowed be your name. Mm -hmm. Like very reverent language and just acknowledging who he is. And I Pretty sure I said it in the first or second episode, depending on where we cut it and if it made the cut. But um, just like I've been trying to like bring in the mindset of like God isn't just like the good father, you no know, good good father. It's who you are, like that song. Mm -hmm. No copyright, please. Uh, fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, just bringing in like the like with Job, like where were you when I created all of these things, like. He created everything. He is ruler over everything. And just to bring that other part of who God is into like even our prayer life, how drastically it changes our mindset and maybe even what we can pray for. Yeah, looking at that holy fear, because I know that as the pendulum swung from like fire and brimstone preaching mm -hmm. and people are like, no, that's not... Like, stop making people fear the Lord. And it's like, well, what do you do about the things that say fear? And then it's like, well, we need to teach it properly. Like, that is reverent awe. Like, that's what fearing the Lord is. But then I just, like, it's in direct relation to, like, people can injure you and harm you in a way that, like, you're obviously scared of that. Yeah. It's like, there is an aspect to, like, God's judgment and punishment and what comes from that aspect. That, honestly, I think that I can sometimes be really on, like, on the pendulum that swung too far and like, no, God is just all good. And I shouldn't have any type of real fear in that respect. And just like punishment, what's punishment? He's just all love. Everything's washed over. Great Grace did it all. And I think that like uh, culturally, I'm sometimes like in my brain too far over there. And I'm just like, oh, I, I don't think I'm centered all the time on like where the fear of the Lord is in my life. Mm -hmm. Confessions. So can we talk about in the seventh commandment, there is two types of fear of the Lord. For if you do not wish to do that which is evil, fear the Lord, and you will not do it. But again, if you wish to do that which is good, fear the Lord, and you will do it. It's like, okay, that's how fear plays out. 
Yeah. It keeps me yeah. in line with not doing the bad thing and doing the right thing, mm-hmm. which is interesting because like, isn't that kind of the work of the Holy Spirit too? Convict of sin, convict of righteousness. Yeah. Like the Holy Spirit is helping you in those actions. Yeah, it is interesting that it plays it out that way. It's like it, it makes sense. Uh, the other thing I liked from this commandment was the um, difference between God's power and the devil's. Yeah. Like Hermas sees God as all powerful and the devil as simply just powerless. Like he's like, he's got no power over you. In fact, if you fear God and keep his commandments, you've already won the battle. Uh, the only thing that there's to, that he did mention about fear about the devil is his evil works. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just the way he paints it is just like, God's huge. And the devil is actually powerless, which is such a different, and I think there's some more of that as we keep going on, but it's such a different picture that we have, or we kind of even get painted of the devil and his abilities. Like for, and I've, I've said this on the show a lot, we get a lot of the idea that uh, because the yin and the yang concept, there's good and there's evil and they're yeah. complementary, that when it comes to God and the devil, that they're equal. But like, no, they're not even close. Like the devil is not near God. and th- yeah. That's why even like when we covered Jude, it was like God didn't even handle it. He sent Michael. Or even when we did Revelation, uh, God sent Michael again, and Michael handled the dead. Michael and his angels handled them. And it wasn't like he, like it was a battle. It was like, it was handled. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Just like, God's not even the one who's like, he's like, I can do it. I'm going to send this guy and he's going to do it. And it's like, it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And I really just love like this uh, command just talking about like, don't fear the devil, but like fear the works of the devil. Because, like, we can, like you said, like, attribute too much power to Satan. But I also think that in the flip side and be like, well, no, like, Satan's nothing compared to God. We can lose sight of what he can actually do. Because, like, yeah, Satan's nothing to God. But, like, compared to me on my own, like, how does that, like, play out? Mm -hmm. And to where it's like, if I don't have God, I should probably be a little fearful of what he can do. Uh, even just there, like, okay, I don't need to be scared of the devil. Devil can't do anything to me. Like, all any of those things. There's like, what I should be scared of is keeping myself pure, not taking part in the things, right? Yeah. That should be my fear, just like falling into temptation. Like, the devil in and of himself, nothing. Mm-hmm. But he just is, keeps trying to trick me. So I should be fearful of, like, falling into the tricks because then all kinds of stuff comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. Commandment number eight. Commandment number eight. Um, the way I summarized it was uh, righteous living restrains evil, and then evil living restrains good. Uh, I always mess up this name, so I'm going to try my best. Sirach? Sirach? Yeah, that one. 4224. Sriracha. Sriracha chili. Uh, says, all things exist in pairs, one opposite the other. He made nothing that was incomplete. And then uh, also good is the opposite of evil. And the life, life is opposite of death. So the sinner is the opposite of the godly. Observe then all the works of the Most High, two by two, one opposite the other. Um, so yeah, when again, there's this two ways. I like that it's there, that constant parallel of like do good, do bad, uh, fear, not fear. That it's just like you have a choice. Yeah. And as over complicated today's society wants to make our choices, that there's many of them. The Bible always comes down to there's just two. 
Mm-hmm. It's either you're going to do the right thing or you're not. And uh, so this chapter on restraint is really cool on that one. Yeah. And what I like is that it gives examples of mm-hmm. what is righteous living and also what is like unrighteous living. And um, Hermes just asked like, oh, like what kind of wickedness um, like are you like supposed to abstain? And the shepherd was uh, adultery, fornication. So calling back to um, the earlier command from the lawlessness of drunkenness, from wicked luxury and uh, costliness of rich speaking, hypocrisy, malice, and all blasphemy. And so it's like, if you don't have an idea, here's a list that you can start with. And it just is a nice, just practical thing to bring into it too. Because mm-hmm. like, it's a lot of information that we're talking on. But like, hey, here's a start if you don't know where. And also on the flip side, of um, like the good things, um, minister to widows, visit the orphans and the needy, um, ransom the servants of God from their afflictions, be hospitable, uh, be tranquil to show yourself more submissive than all men, reverence the aged, practice righteousness, observe brotherly feeling, endure injury, be long-suffering, bear no grudge, exhort those who are sick at the soul, um, don't cast away those that have stumbled from faith, uh, but to convert them and put courage into them. Uh, reprove sinners, uh, not to oppress debtors. Here are things to not do. Here are things to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, Murdoch, you've talked about this, of like, don't just focus on the thing to not do. Bring in the thing to do, and that just does help you abstain. And that's even the point that's getting said here. Anytime that when he's talking about the things not to do, he's linking up with, because you won't be able to live for the Lord. So it's just like the goal isn't like, hey, just stop doing these things. Like the goal that he's bringing is like, oh, that's an idea of what it is to be living for the Lord. And really that alignment and the teaching and trying to help people to understand, because a lot of times what gets told is like, well, there's sinners. God doesn't like sinners. You need to be forgiven. Here's what there is. And then somewhat just like, well, live a godly life, follow God, follow Christ. But to put before people like you should be living for God. And here's an idea, a picture, a goal, a vision for your future of like what that should be like versus, oh, I just really need to stop sinning. Mm. Yeah. Commandment number nine. Yes. Commandment number nine. Pray over all things. Doubt is from the devil. It is a lack of faith and faith comes from God. Yeah. The, the double mindedness. Yeah. So James 1, 7 through 8 then is uh, the person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. So it's really hitting on this, this the, the double-mindedness, the doubt uh, that we have that could come out of sometimes from, uh, from fear, from also the doubt that they're not worthy of uh, what God has to offer. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just really talking about that double-mindedness. Oh, and this one I like. I actually wrote this down in my book because the commentary used double-mindedness is looked at as senseless or stupid. And for me, just because I like saying the word stupid a lot, uh, it was really like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what's going on here. Don't uh, be stupid, Yeah, stupid. don't be stupid, yeah. Uh, because when we doubt, like, yeah, we just went over, like, the power of God. Like, again, there's that progression. He just goes over how powerful God is, why you should fear him. And then he's saying, like, don't doubt because uh, it's just really kind of stupid when you doubt God. But it's also uh, difficult because, you know, doubting is just... It's a hard thing to kind of really trust um, completely. I find myself 
always leaning into that uh, time where like the guy's like, I believe God, just help me in my unbelief. This one's just a, it's a fun, interesting little commandment here of why doubt is bad. I just love the first little paragraph. Um, and it just kind of calls back to just how Hermes is and like his humanity of just like needing to ask so many questions and like has all these like thoughts in his head. Um, and the shepherd says to Hermes, remove uh, from thyself a doubtful mind and doubt not at all whether to ask of God saying within thyself, how can I ask thing of the Lord and receive it, seeing that I've committed so many sins against him? And you kind of hear him talking about like, oh, I've like committed these sins or like, I've done this, I've done that. And he's having those doubts and he's like, hey, remove those doubts. It's just kind of interesting just like seeing even for like Hermes, like him being kind of like, I guess, edified in that of like, remove those doubts that you have. You can't receive what the Lord is wanting to give you while you're having those. Uh, to me, I looked at it as like God's mercy and grace is the cure for doubt. He even says it in here, like the shepherd says, I won't leave you guys. I think that's later in, in one of the commandments, but like, you know, God never abandons those who trust him. And so for us just to have, to remember who God is, his grace and his mercy, that's going to be the cure for who our doubt is. And then it was crazy because it also said that it's the daughter of the devil. Uh, because it is the devil is powerless while faith being of God is strong. So, and then the commentary I, I read is said that the devil is impotent. And I obviously know that that means powerless and has other meanings. If he's impotent, how's he have a daughter? Yeah, <laughs> that, that was just the part that was funny to me. Uh, but yeah, just no, no doubting. All right, commandment 10. Um, the way I summarized commandment number 10 was grief from doubt grieves the Holy Spirit. But action from being angry leads to repentance. And when I first kind of like got to that part, I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. But then if I put it in like the framing of like godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, mm -hmm. like the worldly sorrow, like, oh, I messed up like a pity party. But like having kind of like that fire of like, no, I made a mistake and I want to change. Because like there's such thing as righteous anger and like just being angry against like the sin you committed in the mode of like wanting to come to repentance, like it can bear action. Yeah, this is the the third vice, sadness. Uh, and did you read the beginning part where it says, uh, for grief, she is the sister of doubt and anger? Yeah. Yeah, that that's what stood out to me. It's like, uh, it's like this trinity, like there's doubt, anger, and, and grief. Uh, which again, because of how I understand grief, I was struggling with this section a little bit of like understanding what is it actually talking about? Like what sadness, mm -hmm. what grief are we hitting here? Because like I, I have grief. I've lost people in my life. I've, I've been sad at times. So uh, to when I started looking into it and reading it more, it was like just really going over that the sadness here is more about discouragement, um, like the sadness of failure. Like we failed, so we're sad or not having enough of what we want or not having what we want when we want it. Um, so it, it was just more like I kind of looked at it as discouragement and that helped me really kind of catch what was going on here. Yeah, I think looking, kind of tracking with what you were just saying, where that grief comes from, um, he talks about it. Where is it at? 
When it says, those who have never searched for the truth or investigated the nature of the divinity, but have simply believed when they devote themselves to and become mixed up with business and wealth and heathen friendships and many other actions of the world, do not perceive the parables of divinity, for the minds are darkened by these actions, and they are corrupted and become dried up. So just like, if you aren't understanding what God is doing, if you never really dug in, then you're going to go out and try and live your life in ways that like when it says like, oh, like business, like, well, what's wrong with business? But it keeps tracking like, well, there's wealth and heathen friendship. So it's like, mm-hmm. you're saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to devote myself to God, but let me keep going in these directions. And then it's like, oh, look at all these things are befalling me because these things aren't good for me. Like, yeah, that's going to cause some grief in your life, right? And you're trying to figure out what that thing is. Um, Because when I was first going into it, it was like, remove from you grief because the sister of doubt and anger. And I can just think of several people at our church right now that are still going through kind of that first year of grief of loss. Mm -hmm. How are you going to put grief as like such a horrible thing? I was like, oh, that's not what it's really meaning by grief is like the grief of loss. It's kind of more the things that you go like other things you're going through. Yeah. 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 I really think it's like that discouragement or like that, uh, how do I want to say this? That uh, God didn't give me what I wanted and this is where my life's at and now I'm like saddened by it. Like God, Weird like discontentment with stuff and grief. Yeah, that, like, yeah. Moves in, yeah, it's yeah. a weird thing to really nail down. Uh, almost like a, a baby crying because it's not getting what it wants. Like you, you could see that the baby's sad because it's crying, uh, but it's, just crying because and sad because it didn't get the thing it's wanting at the time. And that that's really how I started really putting it together. And I was like, okay, I could get what this is saying. Now I could understand why it's there with doubt and all that stuff. Because the moment you start doing it, and I think it even talked about how it, it, it's exhausting the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because this it undermines the actions of God. Um, so like then it's like, well, what do you do? Put on joy. Like, oh, yeah, because joy is usually the opposite of discontentment joy is the opposite of discouragement uh so put on joy you know clothing yourself with it yeah another kind of one-liner to to frame it up is when the doubting man attempts any deed and fails in it on account of his doubt this grief enters into the man and grieves the holy spirit and crushes him out Mm. so like yeah i'm I'm doubting my mind i'm doing the thing i'm gonna go do a thing i'm failing grief discontentment commandment number 11 this is one of the fun ones right uh, commandment number 11, uh, be wary of false prophets. Why'd you look at us like that when you said that? Because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that topic earlier. We were. We were actually we talking were, about we it. We were talking about it. So not calling you guys false prophets. We uh, just side it like real. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we pitched the idea, me and Murdoch. This was like beginning of our podcasting days. And I think it's because we were on the Sermon on the Mount, we got to false prophets. Yeah, that would and make sense. So we were telling Josiah during, uh, in between the last recording and this one, that um, we had the idea of bringing in uh, on the show some of those Bible teachers that you would consider, and when I say you, anyone who's listening, who you would consider a false prophet. So therefore, I'm removing any assumption that you can make that we are saying someone's a false prophet. But it's whoever you think is a false prophet bringing them on the show, and then being like, hey, you said this. How does this line up biblically? But bringing them on with, like, the notion of, like, hey, we want you on our show because we want to interview and talk to you about, like, something else. But then kind of uh, hitting them sideways with the false prophet thing. Uh, So that's why we were talking about false prophets. Um, It's just really interesting 
in like the fourth paragraph, at least in my book, um, it says that for he that consult a false prophet on any on any matter is an idolater and emptied of the truth and mm. senseless. And it's like kind of using language where it's like you should be able to kind of parse like a person out on whether they're a false prophet or not. And it'll give examples of like what to look for later in the in this uh little chapter, but also like you're an idolater. And it's just like you're not talking to a man who is of God. You're talking to a man who is of his own flesh or of an evil spirit or of Satan or whatever you want to title it. But just like how there's a, it brings in the idolatry of like, no, you're going after something that isn't me. Mm. And just very strong language of like, you have some culpability in it. I think that how the whole section starts off though, when you're saying like, yeah, you're not going to a man of God. He's always saying, hey, there's some people sitting over here. They're the faithful. There's one guy sitting over here. He's a false prophet. And he goes, the false prophet? He's not affecting the faithful. He's taking the doubters. Mm -hmm. And I can just think of today how much doubt there is and how many people haven't really dug in, like don't have the tools, the wherewithal, the information, the whatever. And just the way that it words it is that because people who are doubting God, right, they want to know something good. It says, the doubters then go to him as to a soothsayer and inquire of him what will happen to them. And he, the false prophet, not having the power of divine spirit in him, answers them according to their inquiries and according to their wicked desires. So in this part, and fills their souls with expectations according to their own wishes. For being himself empty, he gives empty answers to empty inquirers. For every answer is made to the emptiness of man. And it's like, how you said those harsh words that comes in? He's like, yeah. he's empty and he's giving empty answers to empty inquirers. And because it's just like, oh yeah, you're coming. You want to hear this thing? You're going to do that thing. And it talks about, is that in Revelation? It talks about people just want to get their ears tickled. Like they're not going to put up with sound teaching anymore. Mm, is that not Revelation, is it? Might be one of the epistles. Yeah. Like, but talking about in yeah. those days, yeah, that's not Revelation. They're not going to put up with sound teaching. Mm. They want their ears tickled. They want to hear that good thing. Timothy? Yeah. Sounds like a Timothy Yeah, thing. that does yeah. right. So just that thing here, just like, yeah, there's going to be people coming. And here's where this guy moves in. Yeah, and I like that there is that comparison to idolatry too, because uh, going through Leviticus right now in my own reading, there's constantly the like, uh, if you do this, this, and this, but one of them is like, go to... Uh, a fortune teller or people like that and it's like if that person does it he needs to be cut off and you're from the people and you're like to most people it's like why 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 such harshness well because what he's doing is like you said he's chasing after something that's not of god it's his own desire and in that way it is idolatry like you're chasing yeah. after what you want you're kind of creating your own god in a sense of that um but it, it is that like in that section was really uh important to the understanding who goes to a false prophet, who's receiving a false prophet, and why a false prophet does what he does. It's emptiness. It's just filled with void. There's nothing there. Uh, it's fruitless. It's just nothing. But because the person going there is only asking for what they want to hear. Like, just tell me what I want. And like, yeah. okay. I mean, we still have it today. People go to fortune tellers. Yeah. And stuff like that. And they're like, let me see your palm and you're going to find love and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, yes. And because beforehand they came in and they had the understanding of like, oh, this person's looking for love. If I just tell them they're going to find it, it's easy. I'm telling them what they want to hear. 
even just on that point of a fortune teller, I was, I was reading over what it's saying in this commandment. It's talking about, yeah, these, these false people, they're going to want riches in exchange for their prophecy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give them something, they're not going to prophesy. Mm-hmm. And just when you, I wasn't even thinking fortune tellers, but then when you said fortune tellers, like, yeah, they ain't going to tell you nothing if you don't pay yeah, them. Yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, let me come and give you this thing from God, mm-hmm. which you would assume like a godly man, like, oh no, I want you to have these good things from God. Yeah. Like, no, I, I want to get from you and then I'll give you something. Yeah, it, and I like how it separates the the true prophet and false prophet. And one of them that really stood out to me was uh, that the false or the true prophet speaks only when inspired by God to speak. And I started thinking about it biblically, like, okay, when a prophet did have a message, it was usually God saying, go and tell those people. Thus says the Lord. Yeah, yeah, go and tell. And there's just way too many people who call themselves prophets today <laughs> <laughs> out there. And... To me, it's just not a title that I'm like, I'm going to put on myself because when you look at a prophet, if, if they're wrong once, yeah. you're a false prophet. Yep. And then it's like, what do you do with that false prophet? Well, you got to cut them off from the people. You got to stone them. You got to do all those things. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to be that. But then you're right. Like, why are they doing it? Well, they're greedy for money. You got Balaam as an example, who's like, why did he do what he did? Because he was going to get riches from it. He was going to get success from it. And it even kind of lines up with, again, the Didache here. <laughs> I was just going to say, say that. <laughs> right, I'll let you say it now. <laughs> no, that's all I was going to say. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, there's a section towards the end of the Didache when it's talking about the different prophets and, yeah, the, the false ones that will come through and they'll want to stay, like, with the women and take advantage of them. And even there, when it lines up, like, hey, here's a real one. Like, they're not going to want to stick around for long. Like, they're mm-hmm. just traveling through. They're not going to want to take from you. Or if they are sticking around, then they're going to establish themselves into being part of the working community. You know, if someone's coming around and being a freeloader and trying to take from you and do all that stuff, like, number one sign, they ain't it. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing some of that same stuff repeated here. Yeah, and, like, that just reminded me of, like, just kind of, like, the false prophets that have come in, like, more so recent history. Like, you have, like, Joseph Smith and, like, a lot of his things, like, there was polygamy involved in that. And uh, Muhammad with like, hey, like I can have four wives because I'm the prophet. You guys can only have two. And like just those kind of double standards where it's like, no, no, no. Like I can have a little bit more because I'm a holy man because I'm a prophet. Whereas like you guys, sure, you can do the thing, like, but you don't get as much wiggle room as I do. Mm -hmm. And just kind of just like a, I mentioned like just like, like women seeking and pleasure seeking. And it's like in the, in here in the mandate, um, you're, supposed to test the prophet and the false prophet mm-hmm. and then uh by his life test the man that have the, has the divine spirit it's like you'll see by the way they live and by the way they conduct themselves and like all that stuff who actually is a true prophet mm-hmm. it was interesting because a lot of the people who may be calling themselves prophets i mean really we're just in the day of like celebrity pa- like pastors and stuff i feel yeah. like we're getting yeah. away from that but you can't test people's lives Really, mm-hmm. like, how are you going to get close enough to any of these people to test them? But the crazy thing is, like, even though you can't get close enough, so many of them, out of just their boldness, are like, cool, I'm going to put it all out there for you anyways. Go check my social media. Go check mm-hmm. what I'm putting out. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know you personally, but I sure am still seeing a lot of stuff, which is just that weird thing that I'm seeing, like, how do you test them? But even then, like, things can still be evident. Yeah, and, and that's really what I think it hits here too is like the testing them is isn't so much about how they say things Mm -hmm. 
Because we've talked about it a lot when we talk about false prophets. What makes a false prophet really good is is he's a counterfeit. And what makes a counterfeit really good is that it looks and sounds like mm-hmm. the real deal. Yeah. And when it sounds like the real deal, then you're like, okay, yeah, that's, that sounds pretty good. Uh, but here it's like, it's more about how they live. And that's why it gives that descriptor of how they live. Okay, so they're they're not humble. Uh, they're full of themselves. They're proud. They desire prominence. So that seat that you were talking about earlier, that seat of honor. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you read a seat, someone sitting on a seat, it is like that seat of honor placement. Um, and they're lovers of luxury. So they're like, yeah, why are they prophesying? Because they want money and they want the luxurious life. And it's, for me, it's very hard to see. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just say they use the term celebrity pastor. It's very hard for me to see that and then be like, look at the giant house they're living in and the cars they're driving and all the things that they have. Like, they're embracing the life of luxury. And I guess luxury, in my mind, like, everyone goes like, man, if I won the, the lotto, what I would do with this and that and like how I would live the rest of my life. But there's a real reason why God keeps us from certain things like that because once we have all that, it's like we don't need God. We don't see him as important. Um, so they love that life of luxury. Um, just one thing in here that the illustration that it gives like, hey, if you have a storehouse and there are, you have all these pots, these jars that are filled up with like wine or filled up with different stuff, and then you take an empty one, and you stick it in the middle mm-hmm. of the storehouse. When you come back to the storehouse to take everything out, that pot is still going to be empty. Yeah. It's not like things got transferred into it. It's like, that's the same thing when the, one of these false empty prophets comes around people who have the spirit of God, like they don't get filled up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing with me. I'm like, no, everybody should, when they hear good stuff, repent and do Like, you know, I just, I'm like, no, it makes sense. Like, how is somebody really going to be that cut off? But I was like, that's why I'm glad that we have scripture. And I'm not saying that this is scripture, but you can find the same concept in scripture. Just like, some people just won't receive and they're going to keep rejecting and rejecting. Like, mm-hmm. that's a reality of life that's there. But just the illustrations, they're just like, they can't get filled up. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by other people who are full and yeah. like, they can't get filled up. It reminded me so much of uh, what we covered in Jude, of uh, the cloud with no rain. Mm-hmm. Like a cloud that's full of rain is going to pour down rain, and it's you're going to feel it. A cloud with no rain is just empty, and it just passes by. And, and if you're happens. needing rain, and that yeah. one don't, doesn't have it, you're hey, there's some clouds. No, I guess our crops are dying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Commandment twelve. Did Commandment. we finally do it? I think we did. All right. I summed it up as get rid of evil desires and bring in good desires. I read this. It said the whole approach to the commandments in this chapter, uh, though different in terminology, is uh, reminiscent of Deuteronomy 30. And I don't have that open. I wish I would have had that open. But I thought it was just really cool that it kind of tracks along the same thing there. Uh, But there's uh, two images here. There's clothing uh, and arming. So we've talked about that where it says put on this and that. And then there's the one of taming. And uh, taming is about restraint and guiding a horse through uh, the bit. And the metaphor is often used um, of controlling the passions of the body. Uh, Where there is no restraint, it is compared to the fierce and dangerous wild animal uh, that is not really expected to submit to human control. And so this is where this discernment of desires, like what do you really want? What are you chasing after? Are you desiring what God wants you? Because if you're desiring what you want, yeah, it's not going to submit. It's just this wild animal. The things that you want create a wild, unruly beast inside of you. Uh, that really stood out to me. I thought that was a really cool part. I got distracted by Deuteronomy 30. Oh, did you pull it up? <laughs> yeah. 
And it's good. Like, it's the promise of restoration. Thank you for doing that. It's like, oh, look, all the blessing, all the curses that I've set before you, you know, when you're in the land, like, that's going to be there. Um, Lord, your God will bring you into the land. You're going to take possession. All your descendants, right? It's got all that. But then I just really like this part every time I come across it. And I forgot that it's in Deuteronomy 30. For this command I give you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not in heaven that you should need to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it for us and proclaim it that we will obey. It's not beyond the sea that you should need to ask who will cross the sea and get it for us and proclaim it that we might obey it. But the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I have set before you today life and goodness as well as death and disaster. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and increase, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. And again, those two paths that we just keep mm-hmm. coming back to, but I just love, because it's in here in this um, mandate as well, it's just that God's commandments can be kept. Yeah. He's like, look, I'm not putting far away from you. It's an easy thing. I'm God. I want you to succeed in these things. Like, I'm not trying to keep it from you. Here it is. And yeah, I just love that section, Deuteronomy 30. And yeah. it and it does. I it does pair up with this quite nicely. You're like a Somali of scripture. <laughs> Do you know what a Somali is? Not at all. Somali is the people that like <laughs> know the different wines and stuff so they can pair them up with your food. Oh, that's why, yeah. Yeah. Don't drink wine. You're a Somali of No, I'm still using the word Somali. Never yeah. mind. Scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is though put in front of us, it's like you're gonna either submit. And follow God, right? You're going to submit and not do the evil desires, and and good desires is like going to rule over your life, or it's going to be the opposite, and you're just going to become a slave to sin and the desires that want to rule over you instead of you ruling over them. Like that that portion that you read too is it's it's doable. Like that's what I was getting from Hermas twelve, and I think for for me, it's easy to make the excuse of like, well, everybody sins. I'm gonna sin. It's inevitable. Yeah. But like, kind of this more hard nose of like, it's really doable to put away sin, to stop chasing after your desires, the things that you want, the things that make your eyes go big. I mean, we started off with uh, Rhoda and him desiring her with his eyes, and now we get to this part of it, like don't desire what you want. Like, don't let it rule over you. Almost Cain-like. Like Cain was, uh, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Was it, in Josiah, was it in this episode or the last episode that you're talking about that mindset of, like, oh, sin looks appealing? I do not recall, but I know it was in this span of recording. You, you said it. <laughs> All right, so based off of that, even I think earlier in this episode, I was talking about like some things that God is asking us to do. And I was saying like, oh, it's hard. And I think that there's a lot of ways that we can even say that. Just like we can say to our own self that, oh, doing the thing that God wants for us is a hard thing. And like there is a struggle there. There is like, you know, you're fighting against the flesh you're, you're doing. But I even think that there, I'm really, I've been chewing on that since you said it, when, whenever it was that you said it, <laughs> is, you know, how we frame it in our minds of how different that is. Yeah. And if I'm sitting here, as you were just saying, Chris, and, you know, even in Deuteronomy, hey, I'm saying this before you so that you can do it. It's right there with you mm-hmm. so that you can do it. And if I'm like, oh, it's hard to do this, I'm already just putting a stumbling block in front of me. Rather than if I could just quote that scripture from Deuteronomy 30, he's like, man, God put it right here. I'm excited. He put it right here so that I can do it. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Then I'm not looking at it as being hard. Like I'm not, you know, just like, mm-hmm. oh no, he's telling me that it's there so that I can do it. And here's the thing that where people, because you were just saying like, yeah, you can put those things away. Generally, what I found is that when we talk that way, people are like, oh, so what? You're perfect. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're not talking about perfection, but even the list of uh, like sins that it gave earlier when we were looking at one of the mandates is like, oh, here's the righteous and mm-hmm. here's the the unright, and yeah. f- to to follow after those things, like. Whenever I look at those lists, like, you're going to tell me that, all right, adultery is on the list. Is it possible for a human being to stop committing adultery? Yes. Or to maybe never commit it. Mm-hmm. Good job. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and I'm, so that's where I'm with you. Is like, I do think that we can come to the point of putting those things away. We have different things that we're more given to or when we get the Sermon on the Mount treatment and it's like, okay, not adultery. I was look work on the lust issue. Like you, mm-hmm. you brought up Rhoda. Like, yeah, that's a serious thing yeah, to yeah. do. But I think that we can even get to the point of overcoming those things. And it's like, oh, so what? You're perfect. You perfectly put away everything. He's like, stop making it about me and where I'm at. What is God calling us to? Yeah. yeah. So much of the Old Testament is, uh, and especially the Leviticus section, is uh, learning to decipher between being clean and unclean. Mm-hmm. And there are things that make you unclean. But following the law is doing the things that will then make you clean. How do you consecrate yourself? How do you become holy? Yeah. And we get so confused with holy because there's that uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, be perfect as I'm perfect. And it's really like talking about completeness. Holiness is being complete in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not really chasing after perfection as much as it is chasing after being complete in him. But being complete in him also means, yeah, I can obey. I could do the things. And a lot of those laws in Leviticus, I, I, I heard someone say this, that like David kept the commands because when he messed up, he did the thing to clean himself again. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, yeah. So he, most of the commands were given as what do you do when you become unclean? Here's how you become clean again. So yes, are these hard? No, because there's also like ways of like, how do I become holy again in it? And, and I really like the shepherd's response to him was like, well, God made you ruler over everything. Like, they made man rule over everything. You're telling me you can't rule over your desires? Like, you're ruling over sharks and all these other animals. You can't rule over your desire? It was, like, really funny. Um, and it reminded me of Psalms 8. It says, uh, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you set in place, what is mankind that you are merciful of them, human beings that you care for them? You made them uh, a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. And, you know, there's that tie-in of what the shepherd said to this. It's like, he made us ruler over these things, yet we are struggling with our own desires. It reminds me, uh, there's a Mumford and Sons lyric, and he says, if only I had an enemy bigger than my apathy, then I could have won. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, sometimes your inner apathy is just like, I wish I had something outside of me that I could fight because then I could go do mm-hmm. that. Because like, man, like, <laughs> like, you're telling me that you can't rule over your own thing? It's just like, I don't know. For me, I can find that that can be the hardest thing. Yeah. But yet we're called to it and called to it in the way that we can. Mm-hmm. It's not a setup for failure. Yeah, because... Even in like my own personal life, like I struggled with alcohol for a, a bit of a time and like I got to the point where it's like, I know this is bad, but like I I can't stop. And to bring to the point now to where like 
I've been sober for about, I think, gosh, like three, four years now, then alcohol free for like two to where it's like, you can master these things. Like it's possible. You can master it to where it's like, I can be at a table and someone have like a beer or whatever in front of me. And I'm not even craving a beer. I could be like, oh, that looks good. And that be it to where it's like, oh yeah, just as water looks good. And not in the sense of where like my flesh is like, oh, you really want that drink, don't you, Josiah? Where it's like, no, I'm like, that looks good. And that's it. There's no inner cravings where like I can have that mastery over it. But even for myself, like I did have that apathy to where it's like, okay, I got to the point to where I wasn't getting drunk anymore. But then um, it was thanks to my girlfriend, Sochi, just like bringing me to that next step of like just being separated from that. And I think that's what helped me kind of master um, just my desire over alcohol was just that extra push of like, do you really need, like, can you go the rest of your life without this? Mm -hmm. And her challenging me to that and me taking on the challenge and I'm able to do it. So like whatever, like your vice is like, it's possible with God Mm -hmm. and just for God being with me and just even like all the times in prayer, but also just doing the action of like rejecting that fleshly desire in like the first beginnings of it. Here I am now, like I haven't even touched alcohol for two years. Kind of what we're talking about reminds me of the earlier mandate about the whole double-minded thing. Yeah. Right? Because like if you're double-minded and you have the doubt, then when you're going and you're asking, it's just like, oh no, I'm struggling. I want, it's just like, yeah, look at the apathy and look at what you're not receiving. Mm-hmm. When you go and the scripture... Oh, you didn't quote the scripture, but you're like, I can do all things in Christ. Yeah. And just like, that's a pretty common one that most people know. Now, if you're not having double-mindedness and doubt and you're actually going, then it's just like, no, I can. And then you're seeing, mm-hmm. yeah, the freedom come from that. Yeah. I also want to throw in the disclaimer, alcohol itself is not bad. It is the sin of drunkenness that is bad. Thank you. <laughs> he He's big on apologetics. He's got to make sure everything's clear. <laughs> well, I was thinking about what you're saying in Murdoch and... Josiah, both of you guys. Um, and I was just thinking like my own vices, right? Because I'm like, what are the desires that I just keep letting go? And uh, for me, I've already said it, one is like anger. And what's crazy about it is that like, I just excuse it away as it's just anger. Like, it's so easy for me to do that. And I think that goes into that double-mindedness and like Hermos of like, but what if I can't keep these commands? What if it's too difficult for me? And it's like, it's just anger. It's not bad. It's not, who am I hurting with my anger? No one really. Me, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> my family, when I lash out at them, uh, the person I'm road raging with. But like, yeah, you know, it's just, just something that's so, what I would consider insignificant sin. And I think that's where uh, we excuse too much, is there's insignificant sin in the sense of like, we just don't see it as bad as those top vices, right? Yeah. It's not like those top ones where we're talking about like adultery or uh, all the other things. Even with like the pursuit of money, it's like, yeah, but it's not as bad as this. And we categorize so much in our brain mm-hmm. that that's where we start having the problem of like, I can't control this anymore. Yeah. I'm a slave to it because, I, well, I've given it the reign. I've, I've given it permission to be what it is because I'm shrugging it off as like, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about you've given it the rain, it reminds me of James. Man, we've brought up James a lot. Well, then I say that this that Hermas parallels James a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's when he's talking about like, hey, don't say that God's tempting you, mm-hmm. but it's your own desires. And it goes, and when you follow through to the very end, it, you've given birth to sin. I remember my, my old pastor, Bruce, talking about like, 
yeah, now there's a thing that's alive that needs to be killed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's when you're saying you gave it the reins, because like by the time that that thing is born out, now there's like a force that's in action mm-hmm. that like, yeah, you, you need to really come against that thing. It's not like, oh, let me take control of my thoughts. It's like you 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 let that part go a long time yeah, ago. We're in yeah. a different zone yeah. of operating. Uh, but Josiah, I liked what you were saying about like being able to see the thing and being able to see like, oh, it looks good or it looks whatever, but not having the the taintedness of what the sin was bringing in. Yeah. Because I can look at with like lust, right? And lust is such a visual thing. But then to be able to just look at people and be like, that's a good looking person mm-hmm. and have it not be tainted by sin. Yeah. Mm. And when you're in the midst of like any of the things that we're talking about, it can seem like this is a lifelong battle. This is, you know, just whatever. Not to say that any of us can't fall back into something. We don't want to be prideful and be like, yes, I am immune to everything, right? It's like, no, but remember, it's by the grace of God that we are where we are. Yep. However, yeah, to be able to just look and see that things are what they are yeah. and not have that passion fighting to take control, really have them, to go into what you said, Chris, the mastery. Mm-hmm. I really think that the mastery is such a, a good word in use here. One of the things, and I think it's just like wrapping this all up, is um, at the tail end where it talks about the the promises that the devil will flee from those who follow God's commands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this already with the the That's part. James again. Yeah. Submit to God. And- <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and we talked about that part where the difference between God's power and the devil's power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that rather than fearing the devil who's powerless, a believer should fear the one who has the real power to save and destroy, and that's God. Um, and it's this fear of the Lord, again, going backwards to where we started, the fear of the Lord, kind of tying it all in a bow, is uh, lived out by keeping his commands. Um, and then we live a life of faith. And, uh, and I like that it's, it ends, up, ends off with like the pure of heart shall see God. And, and you now you're hitting back to those beatitudes, like mm-hmm. blessed are the pure of heart because they will see God. When you're following God um, and, and now the devil is like, like I read the commentaries reading put it like the way it's shaping it is like the devil will come and try to attack you and tempt you. And then you're like, nah, bro, get out of here. And he goes away. He's like, yeah, okay. Can't do anything to that guy. Let me go find the other person who I can do something to. Yeah. Um, but it's like when you have all the desires of your flesh, the things of double mind, when all of that stuff is removed from your visual, you see God like clearly, perfectly. And that, has to be the ultimate goal of our Christian faith. It's like, I want to see who God is daily. And to see him is then to, in a sense, be him. So when I see him, then I'm going to be him and I'm going to live like him. But it comes from putting away our desires. Stop chasing after those things. Stop giving ourselves excuses or kind of brushing off things as not as bad and and moving forward in a real relationship with him. I like towards the end of this um when the shepherd references himself and he says but i the angel of repentance say to you all right and then it goes on i'm to be with you who repent with all your heart and to make you strong in faith trust god then you who on account of your sins had despair of life and who add to your sins and weigh down your life for if you return to the lord with all your heart and practice righteousness the rest of your days and serve him according to his will he will heal you of your former sins, and you will have power to hold sway over the works of the devil. Right? Which is all those things you were saying, but just, I like that he associated himself like, I'm the angel of repentance. And we just see Hermas is a normal dude. 
go back to he saw a pretty woman and lusted after. Mm-hmm. He's being told about don't lie. And he's like, I lie to everybody all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's where you see that this angel of repentance coming down. Like, here's where I'm I'm explaining to you. I'm I'm putting it before you. Here's what sin is. I'm also giving you the of the view from God of like that it is serious, which is where we see Hermit's crying all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. oh no. But then he's always giving that, but wherever you're at, follow this command and God's with you and he'll make it right. Mm-hmm. And I just love that from out of all this, because again, we can look at it as being like, oh, it's the 12 commands or the 12 mandates. And it's just really for me, the point of it is repentance and seeing the goodness of repentance and all that is just so cool. And I know that you said after last time when I was like, yeah, reading that really makes me feel like the same level of repentance isn't quite there, the same like level mm-hmm. of restoration. And then we hit a few times like, well, don't doubt when you go to God, whatever you ask, and all the things and all the things. So I'm just like, you know, I can be stubborn and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I know all the scholars say that, but here's what I think of the things. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still just like, yeah. <laughs> it's working on me. I'll say that. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. I need to, like, am I doubting? Like, what is there? And I mean, you guys know me on a personal level. Like when it comes to following God and really mm-hmm. believing that those things are there, it's just like, I'm still fully there. But it's like, what's screwing me up? That's why I liked Hermas. And, and you know, we have at least, I'm going to say one more episode for the parables. Only one. Only one. Uh, but what I really it's liked. One episode in two parts. <laughs> <laughs> Technically still right. Uh, what I really liked is what, how we shaped it up at the beginning was this isn't an apostle. This isn't uh, a guy who was trained under the apostles. This was a normal dude. And, and not to say they're not normal dudes, but like they're apostles, come on. And they, the people who, the, the understudies. But like this is just a normal guy. And all of his responses are reminders of how I would respond to things. Like, don't lie. I'm a horrible liar. I do it all the time. Yeah, you can't do it anymore. Um. Keep my commands. What if I can't? You know, even in the visions, Hermas is always asking the questions uh, we would be asking. Yeah. And we're just so thankful because it's like, he asked what I want. Like, you showed me a vision. I don't understand this. Can, can you explain it to me? And can I ask you one more thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now can you explain it to me like I'm five? Like, it's just, he keeps going down to this. But his responses are always just so much like a normal person i guess in a sense yeah which probably why it was so popular back then it was just like yeah here's i understand i relate to that i would ask that same question i would i'm struggling like murdoch was saying i'm still trying to put the pieces together like i think as christians we're all in that boat somewhere somehow with something Mm -hmm. we're still trying to fill in those gaps and voids of i don't get that fully yet but hopefully one day and that's yeah i'm wrapping my part up with I just really like that Hermas always says what I'm thinking. Josiah, you want to close out with anything? Sum up your time with us? Um, I first want to say thank you for having me on. Um, it's really been a pleasure um, just talking with you guys. Um, just things that we would just talk about anyways. <laughs> but it's cool to do it in this format um, to even just have in the future just to like listen to again. But um, just with what is being brought up in these mandates and just kind of like with how I grew up in church and things I've heard and learned and 
attitudes I've had, like just like you're saying with Hermes, like I've had the thing like, oh, what if I can't do this? But really trusting that if I walk in the obedience, God will be with me and his spirit will be with me and that will strengthen me all the more. Let's not even have the doubt that that will be the case because God has always kept his promises. It's example after example after example in the scriptures. And just to have that track record, like this is the best person I can trust with anything. Mm -hmm. And for him to be like, oh yeah, I'm with you. And like through me, you can do these things. And just with that promise of like, it is possible to live a righteous and holy life. I just got to be obedient in it. Mm -hmm. And of course, like things are easier said than done. I'm not trying to discount, you know, whatever. But just just the joy that God will be with me in my trials and my struggles as long as I'm walking with him is just so comforting. Of like, I'm not by myself. I got the best person who's the strongest, who's the wisest, who's the most caring with me. And just like having like these reminders in the book of, I know I'm imperfect. God is helping me through that. I like that. I'm going to wrap it up with that. Thanks, right. Josiah. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. Thanks for being on with us. This yeah. has been really a lot of fun. We very rarely do guests nowadays. Um, so I'm so happy we got to do this with you because uh, this has been really, really fun. I just want to say that you said what I say all the time when you're like, we're just going to talk about this anyways. We're recording it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what makes us your church friends. We're just yeah. talking about the stuff we would talk about anyways. Yeah. All right. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. And I'm Josiah. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.